Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just having a can of Coke. <laughs> are you actually? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Chris Dawson's favourite drink. Oh, no. It's my, like, <laughs> and his <obviously>. brother. <laughs> I, I started the new year thinking I'm going to try and drink less Coke. I've seriously drank like two cans a day since January the 1st. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I cannot remember the last time I had Coke. I'm one of those mm. cold turkey people. Like, Don't even try it. Yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, exactly. I just don't want to know how good something is. Mm. I've been drinking it since I was two. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. My mum was psycho when I was young, like with sugar and like soft drinks and stuff. Yeah, so... well, Elsie will not be trying Coke, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to let her when she's like seven? Or you... No. 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 It's hard to say. Like I can't be like we're not going to have soft drink in the house because I drink it every day, but she's not going to have it. I have to drink it in quiet or something, in, like, secret. Or just water it down. I feel like my mum used to do that. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, like, literally water it down. Mm. How funny. What else has your week been? Oh, yeah, it's been all right. It's been okay. I can't believe it's almost over. I know. Stop. Don't even tell me. It's gone so fast. (laughs) I know, and I've done nothing. This is the problem. I know. I'm the same. Done nothing. So you're back to work next week? Yeah. Tuesday. God. At least you, hey, at least you got the Monday. Monday's going to be amazing weather. Is it? Yeah. I think it's going to be really nice, like 30-something. Oh, wow. So would, Actually, Elsie goes back to swimming on that Monday. What a great day oh, for Ah, that. that's perfect. Yeah. I love that she's swimming, that she's just like splash around. She loves it so much. She's like a little frog. That's how I describe it. Like she's got little, like she puts her legs in like little frog position when she swims. Oh, my gosh, that's she's, so yeah, cute. Yeah, she really likes it. That's good. That is so cute. Uh, what else? Any? Yeah. How's Olive going? Any Olive news? Um, Not really. No? No, she hasn't really been doing much. Oh, really? She's been Just quite like... lazy, yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, yeah. no news from Olive. No yeah. news from Olive. What about Vic? No, he's pretty much the same, actually. He's, yeah. he's been naughty. He gets so naughty. Um, which is good because I feel like when he's naughty, I know he's like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, recently I feel like he's been extra naughty. So I think he's just enjoying having me home and he wants, he gets naughty when he wants the attention. So if I'm not giving him attention, he'll get naughty, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I've been taking for walks every day and yeah, it's been good. Yeah. That's good. But yeah, that's it with me really. I did actually, you know what I did? I started watching this show and can I tell you? This show, it sounds, it's sort of stupid, but I, I got hooked on it. And it's a cross between sort of like Gossip Girl and like Pretty Little Liars. Oh, really? What and is it's, it? It's called Someone, or it's either Someone is Lying or One of Us is Lying. It's on Stan. Oh, and sounds it's, good. Yeah, it's, it's actually like sort of like mystery, like, you know, like someone dies and then like someone's texting them like sort of like I know what you did last summer as well it's like you know it's like a teenage show and then there's someone like texting them that knows their secret that someone's died like that That literally sounds like (laughs) I know doesn't it so I'm almost like I think there's only two seasons I'm almost finished season two but yeah like I've killed it like I've binged it okay Um, I might watch it yeah I really enjoyed it and I love those times so bad I love those teenage shows (laughs) <laughs> I can't help myself. Oh yeah, I have to watch it. I need a new show. 
Yeah, watch it. It's a bit silly, but it's good. You have to tell me what you think. Yeah, I will. But yeah, other than that, that's it. Cool. Should we get stuck into part two? We should. Let's go for it. All right. Chris Dawson will mostly likely die in jail after a judge today sentenced the former Sydney school teacher to a maximum 24 years behind bars for the murder of wife Lynette. After 40 years of confusion and suffering, the sentence gives Lynette's family the justice they have fought so hard for, for the sister and mother who never chose to leave. After decades of questions and grief, Lynette Dawson's family had reason to truly smile this afternoon. Today marks the end of a very long, painful, challenging journey. Greg Sims' sister Lynette was a devoted mother when in 1982 she vanished from her Northern Beaches home where a judge has ruled she was killed by her husband, Christopher Dawson. Christopher Michael Dawson for the murder of Lynette Dawson on or about 8 January 1982. I sentence you to imprisonment for 24 years. Jailed after 40 years of freedom, though Lynette's body is yet to be found. I don't think he'll ever give it up. He's gone parole as 18 years. He'll be, what, 92 if he lives that long. I don't think he will uh, give up where she is. Dawson's judge alone trial ended with the conclusion he murdered his wife to move on with the family's young babysitter. The prospect of losing her distressed, frustrated and ultimately overwhelmed Mr Dawson to the point that he resolved to kill his wife. Supported in court by a brother, Dawson stared directly at the judge, but he did not react as the sentence was handed down, even as he was told he will probably die in jail. 24 years, wonderful. He may not live for 24 years, but I hope he lives for quite a long time. Whilst the chapter is closing, the book's still open, the case is still open, because We still haven't family. Still denying his guilt, Dawson intends to appeal his conviction. The reality is he knows that he will spend, in all probability, the rest of his days in jail unless he is successful in respect of his appeal. For Lynette's family, though, Dawson is now behind them. Chris Dawson has had 40 years of freedom. Now it's our turn. From today on, we would like her to be known and remembered as Lynette Joy Sims. Alice Hogg for 10 News First. So this week we'll be continuing our discussion on the disappearance of Lynette Dawson. So if you are listening to this part two, I highly recommend you quickly stop right now and head over to part one before you listen to this episode. But I am just going to give everyone a quick refresher because it has been a week. Mm -hmm. So Lynn Dawson was 33 years old when she disappeared in 1982 from the Northern Beaches in New South Wales. Her husband, Chris, claims on the morning of Saturday the 9th, 1982, he dropped her off at a bus stop at 7 a.m. as she needed to do some shopping. Lynn was meant to meet him, their two little girls, and her mother at the North Bridge Baths where Chris worked part-time as a lifeguard. And she was meant to meet them there after lunch, but she did not show. So Chris claims Lynn called the pools at 3 p.m. to tell him she needed some time away 
they had attended marriage counselling the day before and were going through like a little bit of a a rough patch. Do we know that? I don't know if we know this or not, but did a call actually come into the baths? Did they check the phone records? Well, this is the thing. There was literally no investigation into her disappearance. And when they did start investigating years and years later, there was no records. And, And I'm quite sure like detectives, reporters have tried to track down who was actually working at the pools that day. But even so, even though when they have tracked them down, like as if you're going to remember something that happened like 10 plus years ago, I think it could even be 20 years ago. So there is no record of the call coming in. And I think people have assumed if it was a call that came in, it was not lit. Yeah. So um, after Lynn disappeared, Two days to be exact, Chris moved his teenage girlfriend, JC, into the home. Mm. So that's pretty much where we finished off part one. Yeah. So I'm going to pick up straight from where we left off. So Chris and JC went on to marry in January 1984. Later that year, Chris, JC, the girls and Paul's, like, twin brother and his family... (laughs) Because they're like a full unit, you know, Uh, sold their homes on the northern beaches and moved to the Gold Coast. So both twins again built big houses near one another. Now, JC called her home the compound and has described her time there as being like a a slave, sort of like prisoner. Yeah. Um, and even describes being like a sex slave. Oh my god! Yeah, because she's come out. Hey, she's like spoken about it. Yes, she has. She mm. has been not like she's spoken about it with uh, police and Lynn's family, but she has not gone like through reporters or anything. Yeah. Like that. Like, she's never done like an interview or anything like that. Yeah. So she would only see Paul's wife Marilyn. JC was surrounded by a six-foot fence and was not allowed to leave the house without gaining permission from Chris to go out. JC had to follow all his orders from having sex with babysitters what? to Chris picking out her clothes. Yes, apparently they had, I don't know, I think they had like threesomes with Ooh. like other babysitters, which is, I, I read that somewhere. So, I mean, like, yeah, that's what I read, so I'm guess I'm guessing that happened. <laughs> he even scouted out an indoor cricket venue when JC wanted to take up playing like indoor cricket and he needed to give her permission to play. <sighs> On January 8th, 1985, Chris and JC would have their daughter Kristen, the creepiest freaking thing about this is, this is the exact date that it suspected Chris murdered Lynn. How crazy is that? Isn't that creepy? Yeah. The the same date he had his daughter on that date. Oh, chills. Anyway, keeping their closeness alive at this time, the twins both had three girls, Dalmatian puppies, apparently they were from the same litter, their houses both had pools and they both had tennis courts. 
Remember we used to say we were going to get two dogs from the same Yes, weather? that was our dream. Oh. And we used to send each other photos. And we'd have a brother and a sister and they'd always yes. spend time together. Oh. I know. I feel like, but I mean, like, I feel like Vic and Olive are quite similar, even though Pretty they're not much, siblings. Yeah. Like, they don't yeah. like other dogs that much. So, yeah, yeah they <laughs> yeah. work together. Yeah. So, JC had really struggled being a mother to Chris's daughters. And Obviously. On, yeah. Yeah. And only got worse when she had Kristen. So at the time when JC was the babysitter, it was fun for like both JC and the girls. But when JC was thrown into being their mother and like she was just a child herself, yeah. the relationship with the girls became really strained. Yeah. When Lynn had originally disappeared, Chris had told the girls Lynn left because she didn't love them. And, Lockie, he said that Lynn was their pretend mum and JC was their real mum. That's what he told them, his daughters. How effed up is that? So he's got the two daughters and one daughter has kept quiet, the other is quite vocal, which... Do you know which? It's the the eldest. Chanel is the eldest and she's the one that's very vocal. Vocal, yeah. Yeah. And she's... She, like we will get into it at the end, but she's sort of been cut up, cut off from the Dawsons. Yeah. And uh, the youngest daughter is like an advocate for Chris Dawson that is yeah. innocent. Yeah. So the girls began calling JC mum early on. But when JC had Kristen, she asked the girls to stop calling her mum. Yeah. She wouldn't let the girls touch Kristen or even refer to her as their sister. She did what she had to for Chris's girls but didn't love them and was very cruel when Chris wasn't around. She would call them useless and idiots. So this is coming from the young girls, obviously, who are now adults. Yeah. Chris and JC would fight as Chris wanted her to behave more like a mother to his children and only talk to them. She said in a quote, sweet voice. JC would get in trouble for getting mad at them. And I'm guessing like he didn't like the fact that she never wanted them like in her car. She didn't want them eating the same time as her daughter. So she was quite harsh to these little girls. But I, it makes me wonder if she was mean because she sort of had no control over her own life and, like, yeah. this is something she could control, you know? Yeah. So JC noticed that there was something very strange about her marriage when she started taking Kristen to playgroup. The other mothers were allowed to go out. They had, like, separate lives and lives outside their relationships. They had different friends. You know, they'd be able to go shopping and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, because she was so young. She probably just thought it was normal. She was literally with him since she was 16. Yeah. So when JC mentioned this to Chris, he became mad and wanted her to stop going to the playgroup. JC has spoken about a time she went to like this lingerie party and she came home with a G-string. Yeah. Chris told her she was only to wear that for him. And when she responded, I'll wear it when I want to, he put his hands around her neck and ripped it off her. 
So Chris never wanted JC to dress up or look sexy. He always just wanted her to wear like sort of shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah. She wasn't allowed to wear like a two-piece to the beach or anything like that, right? But he did have a dress-up box and would make her wear like schoolgirl outfits. Sicko. When they had sex. So, yeah, so it's obviously like this, I guess, comes into how she was calling herself a sex slave, you know? Yeah. JC was always walking on eggshells. And as the years passed, she noticed Chris was beginning to treat her the way he treated Lynn before she disappeared. Yeah. He would have younger girls over in their pool and began becoming very cold and mean towards JC. So JC remembers he would sing cruel songs to Lynn and change the words to say that she was like boring and ugly. Oh my God. I know, right? He even threatened JC, telling her that he got rid of Lynn and that he could get rid of her too. The last straw came when he assaulted JC in front of their young, like the youngest daughter. In 1990, JC fled the family home with her young daughter under the guise she was going to visit her mother. So he didn't actually know that she was leaving him. So upon returning back to the northern beaches, JC wanted to speak to Lynn's family. Because he ultimately confessed, really. Well, if he said that to her, yeah. Yeah. So the last time JC had spoken with Helena, now remember that's Lynn's mother, Mm -hmm. it was when she had, like Helena had gone to the school with presents to see the girls and JC wouldn't let her speak to them. And apparently there was like a massive commotion and JC told Helena that they didn't want anything from her and like their family. And Helena called her a little slut. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris and Lynn's family did have a falling out and I'm sure there were like many issues, but the main issue was that when Chris, I'm not sure if it's when he sold the house or when he gained like full control over the assets, Helena and Len asked Chris to return the money that they had loaned to Lynn for purchasing their house. Yeah. And he refused. So they, they, he literally like, they had no communication after that. Yeah. So JC met with Lynn's brother, Greg, and his wife, Marilyn, and opened up about her life with Chris after Lynn's disappearance. So JC believed Chris was responsible for Lynn's murder. She told Greg and Marilyn that a few months before Lynn's disappearance, Chris had gone to see a hitman. So in October 1981, Chris had driven JC to a hotel in Western Sydney where he asked her to stay in the car. When he returned, he told her that he had met with a hitman to get rid of Lynn, but he couldn't go through with it because innocent people could be hurt. I think that the most heartbreaking thing about this is up until that moment, Lynn's family believed Lynn had run off. Mm -hmm. So I think like the random rumours of sightings led them to 
like keep believing the lie, even though there was no record of Lynn anywhere. Yeah. And they had looked into any everything. Like Helena had checked, like if her her nursing license was in use, you know, her Medicare card. Um, she had never collected like her final paycheck from where she was working at the childcare center. So there was, even though there was no actual record of her, there were these random rumors of sightings, and that's why they just kept believing that one day she'd come home. Yeah. Although there, there were interviews here and there in the early 90s, including with Chris and JC, there was no one actually investigating Lynn's disappearance. I think at the time Chris had just told police that he was going through a messy separation and JC was making up shit to get back at him. This is about like meeting the hitman and so yeah. and so, right? So it's my understanding that police did look into it, but it was shelved due to an unconfirmed sighting, which is effing ridiculous, right? Yeah. And most of these sightings ca- came from Chris. Like my friend said they saw Lynn here and whatever, you know? Mm. So Lynn's family weren't the type to sort of like rock the boat. They just believed that the police knew best. And, um, I mean, I haven't mentioned it, but Lynn's brother, Greg, was actually a police officer and he, I think he had asked sort of like questions about Lynn, but it's not something that he could like, like he, he didn't have strings to pull with the senior officers, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he sort of had just left it as well. Lynn's friend, Sue, however, is one of the only people that kept pushing police to look for her friend. In the mid-80s, she had lodged a formal complaint with the New South Wales Ombudsman. I cannot say that word. (laughs) Ombudsman. Yes. So regarding the police investigation into Lynn's disappearance, or lack thereof, I should say, and she also spoke with police in the early 90s, but no one would listen. In the late 90s, she used a connection she had to get someone else to take a look at the case. So Detective Damien Loon was asked to look into Lynn's disappearance and all he had to go by was one piece of paper. From the info he could gather, he knew something was very wrong. Everyone that knew Lynn swore Lynn would never leave her daughter's. They meant the world to her and were her life. Because remember, she couldn't fall pregnant, Lockie. Yeah. So Lynn had actually arranged for an artist to do portraits of the girls just before she disappeared. And when the artist called in January, so this was in 1982, to arrange a drop-off time, Chris answered the phone and told her his wife is gone and she didn't want them anymore. This artist then asked Chris if he'd like to see the, like, portraits as he was the father and he replied no. Now, this stuck with the artist and because she obviously found it just so odd because she could tell how much effort Lynn had gone to, to, like, dress the girls and do their hair to have these portraits done. Hmm. Anyway, I've... These portraits have actually been like released, and you can tra- like you can see them. So I'll post them, and it's crazy to think that this artist kept them for all this time, you know, and yeah. that she remembered this and went to police with this information. 
So JC was again interviewed and her story had remained exactly the same. She explained what was going on at the time of Lynn's disappearance, including Chris's treatment of Lynn and the timeline of hers and Chris's relationship. She also went into detail about the abuse she received by be, uh, while being married to Chris and how he treated her like a slave. She even revealed that she had slept with Paul and Chris, so yeah. the twins, and it was <laughs> like Chris had gifted her like as a present to his brother. Oh, right, that is effed up. Isn't it actually? And apparently, so this happened once, and then like another time, Paul had sort of like snuck into her bed for like just the two of them to do it, and Chris was fuming about it that he wasn't like involved. Like, I have no oh. idea what's going on there, but yeah, that's how close these twins were. Like, what the fudge? <laughs> close isn't even the word for that. <laughs> so the timeline immediately poked holes in chris's story which had slightly changed over the years when chris originally gave a statement he had said that he had traveled north to spend time alone on like over christmas in 1981 and that the main issue in their relationship was lynn's spending like she apparently like she used to spend a lot on the credit cards like that's what he says right He also changed his story nine years after the disappearance to say that she may have run away with a religious group as there was a guy building a cubby house (laughs) at the time that was giving Lynn things to read. But there was no mention of this originally, like in his original statement. There was also no evidence that Chris ever contacted Lynn's friends to the point where friends reported that he had told them that she was in Queensland. So he's like making up stories to all different people, right? Yeah, yeah. But literally like nobody had ever spoken to Lynn from that time apart from Chris is what like he says, you know. And why the heck, Lockie, would he be the only person she's talking to and she wouldn't be talking to her family and friends if she was going through this rough patch with him? Yeah, exactly. So others came forward describing Lynn's bruises and recounting stories Lynn had told them. A lady from a dress store where Lynn was having a dress altered recalled seeing bruises on Lynn. When she asked Lynn what, like, she had done to get those bruises, this, like, Lynn told the seamstress she was married to a violent man. A neighbour of Lynn's recalled hearing Chris yelling at Lynn in the backyard and when she peeked to see what was happening, she could see Chris towering over Lynn as she cried holding one of the little girls. Oh. I know, right? Now, the babysitter before JC also came forward, she reported seeing Chris flicking Lynn like hard with a tea tail. <sighs> yeah, and she also recounts Chris just losing his shit over like random stuff like a dirty glass saying that he had like bad OCD. Well, you clean it then. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm sorry, you cannot call that OCD. No. Anyway, Lynn had told her friends Chris hadn't been near her in like six weeks. She also revealed that he had held her face in the mud outside by the pool 
like one time when they were in an argument and she couldn't breathe. One story in particular which sent chills down my spine was that on the Friday that Chris and Lynn went to that counselling session, Lynn confided in one of her work friends after they asked her what the marks were around her neck that Chris had grabbed her around the throat and shook her in the lift on the way up to the appointment. Gosh. He said to her, if this doesn't work, I'm going to get rid of you. I'm only doing this once. Oh, right? Something else police found that was just really sus is that it's reported Chris was returning back to that Bayview home him and Lynn shared in the 80s. And it was reported that he, re- he returned back at least twice and was asking the new owner where he was digging. Oh. How freaking dodgy, right? I find it crazy, like, that if he's buried her in the house and then you move out of that house, the anxiety that would riddle you in everyday life would just be like... Uh, you know what, though? There is no freaking chance he's left her there. I don't reckon. No, I don't think so. He Maybe he had her there and he's moved her. Like, that's yeah. what... Or he's buried her belongings or something. Like. Yes, yeah. Or, yeah. What, or like the murder weapon or something. Mm. Yeah. So around the year 2000, police dug up the pool area at the home Chris and Lynn shared. They found Lynn's cardigan with slash marks. And it looked like these slash marks had come from a knife. And I think the reason why they know it was around the time Lynn disappeared is because there was like a juice bottle like dug up as well and that had a date on it. So that's how they know it was around that time. Yep. So the motive is obvious. Chris wanted to be with JC and didn't want to lose the house and the kids. Now when Chris dropped off a plastic bag filled with Lynn's things, to her parents' house, Helena found an agent's agreement in Lynn's dressing gown with Chris's signature on it, which obviously shows, sort of like unravels the story that Chris wanted to sell the house, but Lynn loved her home and would not have so, like signed yeah. that piece of paper. Yeah. In 2001 and 2003, Coronial inquests were held into the disappearance of Lynn Dawson, both concluding that Lynn was most likely murdered by someone she knew. Yeah. The director of public prosecution declined against laying charges due to uh, insufficient evidence. And, Lockie, this was the same DOP that in 2003 wanted to prosecute Sally Lane. Oh. And this is the guy that made those remarks. Remember that she was like a danger danger to, to men, to young <laughs> men. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and I also thought that it's so freaking interesting that during these inquests, Chris's older brother, Peter, so not the twin, another brother, he's a lawyer and he was able to, like, question JC and, like, the family. Like, how intimidating. I don't know how that even was allowed. Yeah, that's weird. Because that's his brother, you know, that's questioning people that he would have had a relationship with. Yeah. So in 2015, the police forces unsolved homicide unit reopened Lynn's case. 
So they were obviously looking into it for a few years, but in May 2018, the podcast, The Teacher's Pet, was released, putting eyes from all over the world onto this case. With this came new information, a lot of which we've already discussed, uh, like Chris's original statement, which was lo- which was originally lost, and the Dawson's other babysitter coming forward. Yep. The teachers had also discovered this checkerboard episode from 1965, which features both twins <laughs> and their wives, including like Lynn and Marilyn. So you can act like this is the first footage, Lynn's, like the only footage Lynn's family have of her is from this checkerboard's program. And this is, they do it on twins, don't they? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do do it on Twins. I might post a little bit of it. Mm. It's really sad because you can just see Lynn's, like, calmness and softness. Like, there's just something so calming and lovely about her. Yeah. It's really sad. So I'll definitely pop some of it up. But it's crazy that that was not discovered until the teacher's pet. So years and years later, now they have this footage of Lynn. Even though it sucks, this moron's in it. But anyway. (laughs) Um, morons yeah morons exactly (laughs) the same year the podcast was released another dig at the Dawson's old property took place but there was still no sign of Lynn's body this did not stop them arresting Chris in December 2018 Chris was arrested he pled not guilty and was granted a temporary stay of proceedings due to the popularity of the teacher's pet, pet podcast. <laughs> a bit of a tongue twister there. He went on to be granted a judge-only trial, which started in May 2022. Mm-hmm. So the teacher's trial, which is a podcast, goes into great detail on the trial. So as I said, if you're like interested in this case, I would highly recommend listening to both the teacher's pet and the teacher's trial. The things though that I found most interesting that we haven't discussed, and I know you haven't listened to, so I did want to bring it up, Mm -hmm. is they released phone taps between Chris and Paul. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? And they're just, oh, I can't even. I think it's voice actors. Well, you know what? I actually don't know if it's voice actors, like, um, re, like replay the conversation. <laughs> I thought some of them were the actual conversations, but there's one conversation in particular. Now, Lockie, the crazy thing about these phone taps is they think that their phones are tapped and apparently people close to the Dawson's think that literally like for 40 years they've always thought their phones have been tapped and have been really weird with taking like calls (laughs) over the phones. (laughs) Right? But I think these taps were only put – so they didn't tap 40 years off their phones obviously. They were just put in place when like, for instance, 60 minutes or today, tonight, or someone, like there was some sort of media attention, that's when the taps would come into play, right? So as I said, they assume that they're being recorded and say, quote, Henley, you're a fucking wanker. If police want to pass, 
that onto Henley Thomas. He's a fucking wanker. And this is this is literally talking about the reporter for the teacher's pet, Henley yeah. Thomas. Like, this is yeah. his podcast. So it's fun. I just found that hilarious that one, that they thought they were being recorded, and two, that they asked police to pass <laughs> on that uh, Henley Thomas is oh. a fucking wanker. How crazy is that? Oh, my God. Now, there is nothing really incriminating that come out of these phone taps, but there are definitely really interesting discussions. Like at one time they actually, they try to say that maybe JC murdered Lynn and they're like sort of covering their asses. But as I said, they know that their phones are being tapped. So they obviously like you can tell that they're sort sort of playing it up. Yeah, they're but, trying to spin a story. But, you know, yeah, exactly. They're trying to spin a story or, like, put, like, I don't know, come up with, like, ulterior, um, not like, do you know what I mean, ulterior stories and things yeah. like that. I just find it really funny, though, that, um, yeah, that obviously that they were released and that they, for 40 years, have thought their phones are tapped. So suffer. Oh, They've obviously, yeah. They're obviously paranoid for a reason because why would well, you care? <laughs> If they're close, then why would they use a phone? Can't they just, like, communicate with each other telepathically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In their own language. They should have used the language. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, now, another thing I freaking lost it at, and I said this to you yesterday. I know. I got so confused. We're like, what the fudge is this? Yeah. I had to bring it up. So JC actually kept some of the love love notes that Chris had given her and they were revealed. And this is one of my biggest icks. Like I just yeah. find this effing disgusting, especially for an adult. I hate <laughs> people that write. I don't, I don't even say that you say it. I wow. can't even. Yeah. W-U-V. Do not write this on any cards. It is gross. Like, it is so disgusting. And this is what these cards say, like, all over. Like, I love you. Like, oh, it's gross. It's so gross. Yuck. But anyway, I'm going to post these, these freaking love notes as well. But it's crazy that JC had kept them. And there's a Valentine's Day um, note from 81. So this is when, this is almost a year before Lynn disappeared. Chris is writing her uh, Valentine's Day yeah. note. It's just crazy. Um, another thing that I found very interesting is that a witness with criminal connections that played rugby with Chris came forward in the trial and claims that Chris had asked him if he knew anyone that could get rid, quote, of his wife. Mm. But now this I think though is, was in like 1975, but still I guess it just shows a pattern that he was yeah. not happy in his relationship. And, yeah. And that's how he thought he could get out of it. Yeah, thought that the whole time, yeah. Exactly right. And then when JC came along, he's like, it's a sign, you know. Mm. So on the 30th of August 2022, Chris was found guilty and was sentenced to 24 years in prison for murdering Lynette and disposing of her body. All her family at the hearing were wearing a bit of pink as it was her favourite colour. Mm. There is no parole for those who refuse to reveal where, like, they've put the body. But I honestly don't think this will ever sway Chris to tell the truth. No. 
because he is flat out saying he's innocent and he would like obviously all his family and friends and all the Dawsons are fully supporting him. So could you imagine like I feel like he'd lose his supporters yeah. if he came out and said where he did bury her. Yeah, he's a tip- he's like just like that typical alpha male. He's got too much pride. He's never going to admit he was wrong. Never. Never. And the surrounding area like of the property is very dense. And although police, like there are rumours that police might know where she is, but this is not like an easy place to search. Mm. So I am guessing that he obviously, like he's obviously gotten rid of Lynn close by, although remember he did take that massive four or five-hour drive to pick up JC, yeah. do you remember the night he didn't have the like the, the night after Lynn disappeared? Pretty much, so I, I mean, he it couldn't be she could be anywhere. I did want to ask you, do you think Paul's like sorry, Chris's twin Paul was involved? Do you think he knows about it? Like, he knows he's got to yeah. know. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I don't know. Maybe he could be involved, but like that wouldn't surprise me. So I don't think he he might he might have known that it was going on or helped him with the aftermath, but I don't. I honestly think that Chris has put some sort like drugged her to make her. Do you know what I mean? Like obviously not as like lucid with when. He, however, he did it, um, and then yeah. But I think Paul knows as well. I did want to ask you as well because I know you have a thing with old men. How did you <laughs> not like it? You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know what you're saying. I you know. do have a thing with old men. Like, I just feel sorry for every old man that I see in yes. public, on TV, anything. And I even remember, and no one bloody judged Judge. me for this, but I remember watching the news a few years ago and it was about a priest or a teacher or someone that was like a pedophile and he was so old like he was like easily 80s 90s and I felt so bad that this poor old man had to go to jail but really he he deserved it yeah yeah I just think like he was so old I was like oh like (laughs) yeah oh yeah well obviously Chris is pretty old he's got a bit of a limp now so I was like I wonder how lucky feels about seeing him being taken to jail no see I don't like I've seen footage of him and I think, uh, I don't know, I don't get a good vibe from him. Yeah, yeah. I, I get a vibe that, he, that he's like an evil person, so I'm like, oh, yeah, deal with no, that. Yeah, Not good. saying that I thought that about that pedophile guy, but I don't know. <laughs> you didn't know the just... whole story behind it maybe. Yeah. I have an old And maybe he was older. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. That's why I'm like, I need to ask what he feels about this. <sighs> so like I was saying earlier, Chanel Lynn and Chris's eldest daughter was put under hypnosis to see, like, do you know what I mean? Like, if she had any memories back there to see sort of, like, if she knew what her father had done with her mother. And she says that she saw, like, herself and her sister in the back of a station wagon with her mother slumped in the front. Mm. She remembers seeing headlights by the pool and, like, shovels being like pulled out the back of a car, she thinks that her mother was buried there at night and the next day when he didn't have the children, he moved 
Lynn to like another location because she remembers like seeing him digging near the pool, like as I said, with headlights. Yeah. So that's just a memory. And she goes, I don't know if that's a memory, if that's just something like that I've made up in my mind, but that's just what came to her under hypnosis. Yep. Like as you were saying earlier, Chanel has done quite a few media interviews and she even talks on the teacher's pet podcast. She does believe her father killed her mother, but her younger sister does not. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, all the extended Dawson family also stand by Chris. Now they've cut ties with Chanel because of her (sighs) beliefs. But, I mean, Lynn's family have now, sort of become Chanel's family and are there for her. Yeah. Which is, like, really sweet, I guess. Do you know what I mean? That she does have that relationship with him, but it's so sad that she's lost the relationship with her sister. And I'm not – and I am quite curious about JC and Chris's daughter. There isn't much info about her Uh, out there or her feelings towards her father. I know that. She does have a relationship with Chris, but what she thinks, I have no idea. Yeah. So wow. that is the case of Lynette Dawson. Yeah, it's a sad one. It is so sad. I mean, it took 40 freaking years, but at least some sort of justice has been served. But the fact that they can't just put her to rest, like, do you know what I mean? Like the fact that this guy can't just freaking tell her where he put them, like, sorry, can't tell them where he put her. Like, does bug me a bit. Yeah, it doesn't feel, like, closed closed to me yeah. for some reason. And I think that's because he just will not admit any wrong. Yeah. And there's people around him that think he's telling the truth and that they don't have their body. And that's just how I feel. It just doesn't feel. I feel like I'm still waiting for a moment of something to happen. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was effing huge that they even convicted him without a body. Like, I think that's amazing. Yeah. But in saying that, like, and do you know what else pisses me off? He lived 40 years free. Mm-hmm. He lived a full normal life. And now when he's old, that's when he's gone to jail. Yeah. You know, that like that pisses me off a little bit as well. Yeah. Like he's really not losing out. You know, he's yes. not losing out on the best years of his life. Exactly. Mm, yeah, so, um, but he, you know, he did remarry someone else and move yeah. away from his brother. Apparently the brother, well, I read a rumour that the like the twin brother and the new wife don't get along great or something like, or maybe the, the wives don't get along so they don't actually live near each other now. Mm-hmm. Like as like when I say near, I mean they don't live on the same street. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I, I mean I don't know how far away they are from each other. But, um, yeah. yeah, crazy, right? Wow. Crazy story. Yeah, wow. So, yes. Um, yeah, so if you have a case you want us to cover, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime Canines. And until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.